and welcome back to Hey Look Listen. My name is Liam Sheehan and I'm joined here today for the second time by my friend Kevin O'Carroll. Kev, thanks. Thanks for jumping in to this podcast again. How are you doing, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. Thanks very much for having me back. I thought after the last time I'd be barred, but um, you stop. You stop that that <laughs> nonsense now. No, it's just hard to you know get everyone's schedules together. So it's really cool that you're able to kind of um, jump in and give me a hand when I. When, it, it seems to be whenever I'm talking about some weird Japanese game. Yeah, it, it turns out to be my speciality. Yeah, well, last time we did Bloodborne, and that was super fun. But this time we're talking about the Persona series, and I've. I've talked about the Persona series on this podcast before. Whenever I can, kind of, I bring it up. It was in my top 10. Um, I talk about Persona 5 in my top 10 PlayStation games. And I actually love it, as we'll get we'll get on to, obviously. I find it actually kind of hard to, I don't know, um, distill what I love about it, to kind of vocalize what I love about it. And I actually kind of get a little bit embarrassed when I'm talking about it. So it'll be good to have you chatting, <laughs> chatting as well, you know? Yeah, I totally get that. It's... um. It's a game that's really hard to sell to people because if yeah. you describe any of the sort of discrete parts of it, it sounds, you know, either boring or weird, but somehow <laughs> it all combines, it all comes together in a way that's something really special. Yeah, well, like it's a little bit embarrassing as well, kind of talking about it. I think, you know, I, I, I'm not embarrassed about the games I like, but it is a little bit embarrassing, isn't it? That's why I, I thought like maybe a call up Kev. <laughs> he likes these embarrassing video games too yeah. <laughs> he can share well, in the embarrassment well you know the story of the first time my partner Zero walked in on me and I used the term walked in on me playing Persona yeah. 5 go on it just happened to be like the one time the only time in all of my playthroughs <laughs> of that game that I visited the maid cafe yes now you say it was the one time but that's primarily why you bought Persona 5 it was the one time I was caught because <laughs> yeah, obviously we'll get to that but um yeah, you do do you do do things in Persona games like visiting maid cafes and doing your laundry. But as we're going to get to, there's so much more than that. Probably oh, for sure. Is there? Yeah, no, there is. No, of course, of course. I really hope so. And what's handy about us teaming up for this episode as well is that um, neither of us individually can cover the entire Persona series, but our powers combined, we kind of we can cast a net over yeah. the whole uh, all five games, right? Like a nerd, like a nerdy Voltron. Our powers combined. Like, yes, I'm I'm the leg. But it, it needs to be said outright as well, just in case uh, if anyone thinks we're talking about the Shin Megami Tensai series, we're not, are we? We're just talking about the much more popular spin-off. Yeah, yeah. It gets complicated when you start looking at these games that were made, all developed and mostly published by Atlas. Yes. Um, because the naming conventions don't necessarily hold true between the Japanese and the Western releases yes, that's right, or, yeah. or indeed over time between the re-releases of the games. So they all kind of fall under an umbrella term of the, the Megami Tensei games or the Mega Ten games. Yeah. And that includes the Shin Megami Tensei series, the Persona series, things like um, Digital Devil Story, and <laughs> a lot of different games. And all these but, names, <laughs> all these games with yeah, Japanese titles. I know, I know. And to co- confuse the matters like, there's a Shin Megami Tensei series, but the Persona games were released under the Shin Megami Tensei yeah, header right. in the West, even though they're not part of the series. So the whole thing is just confused. Well, do you know? Do you know I, what you 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 so succinctly kind of summed it up there and, and the chaos of it? But I actually have just a little brief little thing to read about the Persona games before we before we jump into it. Okay, so perfect. like you said, Persona, previously marketed as Shin Megami Tensei Persona outside of Japan, is a video game franchise developed and primarily published by Atlas and owned by Sega. Focusing around a series of role-playing video games, Persona is a spin-off from Atlas's Megami Tensei franchise. 
The first entry in the series of Revelations Persona was released in 1996 for the PlayStation. The series has been has several more games since, with the most recent entry being 2019's Persona 5 Royal. So our intersecting kind of love for Persona is actually the latest one, it's Persona 5. But if we kind of jump outside of that, we've we've played all the other ones between us as well, like I said earlier on. Yeah, exactly. Um we both finished Persona 5 well, at different times, but we yes. both kind of finished it going, I definitely want to play more of these games and see yeah. what they're about. And we both went to different we, directions from there. <laughs> from then, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I went to the kind of awkward and weird old games and you went to the um, you know, much more popular and beloved newer games. Oh, that's that's, that's but, the um, thing, yeah. Well, I, I, when I think of Persona, I think of it's a Japanese role-playing game and you're fighting monsters and there's turn-based battles, but it's mixed with living out... Um, you know, at the life of of a schoolboy. You know, you're going to school. It's kind of it mixes yeah. the domestic elements with all this uh, magic stuff. But um, that's not really what Persona always. Was. Well, this in in the setting, it was always a school time setting. But these pers- yeah. per- from Persona three onwards, they're literally like you're marking off calendar days. You're living every day of this main character's life, and you're doing domestic stuff as well as well as the, uh, you know, the the fantasy role playing stuff. But that's not always what Persona was, right? No. See, it started out. Um... As you said, it was released in 96, and uh, shortly before that, they had a game called Shin Megami Tensei If... Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, I was like, if, it's if ellipsis, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just a note for the listener, all of the names of all of these games are going to be weird and confusing. I think if, going- if ellipsis is a fantastic name for a game. It's just, if I saw that <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the shelf as a child, I, just, I know it just... It, it it there's so much it holds so much secrecy in that title. <laughs> just so much possibilities. If what? If If who? Yeah, but that game was the first one they did um, as part of the, the Shin Megami Tensei series that was kind of set in and around a high school. Right, and, um, okay. And that setting in particular got them a lot of praise sort of uh, critically and sort of feedback from customers. What, 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 the Japanese were praising a school time setting? How novel. I know. How shock, <laughs> shock horror. Um, but yeah, so off the back of the success of If, they were like, well, we got a double down on the high school setting thing and make a game that's kind of built around that. And that was kind of the seed of the idea of what became the first Persona game, yeah. aka Revelations Persona, aka Shin Megami Tensei Persona. And um, I didn't know about this. Did this come out in, in Ireland, in Europe? I'm not sure. It was definitely the first uh, Mega Ten game to get a Western release. Right. Because um, all the previous ones had some... They relied very heavily on uh, like Christian iconography and stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, that, like, that didn't fly for a long time in uh, yeah localizing games. Yeah, the, literally the very first game in the series, uh, Digital Devil Story Megami Tensei. Again, terrible names, but you know, no, uh, they are kind of. <laughs> uh, that game, as far as I know, is literally about teaming up with Lucifer. Yes, to to like gain control of demons to go fight battles. It's based on a series of, of Japanese novels. That's, that's like that's the game we needed in our Irish Catholic upbringing, and they didn't yeah, release sure. it. Like these are the things we needed. These are, they should be informative. Yeah. Um, so basically, the Revelations Persona, as I said, was the first one to get uh, westernized because while a lot of the sort of iconography is still there, it's not as in your face as the previous games <laughs> demons um, it's always demons are a big thing in the Gambi Tensei games no matter where yeah. you're going though yeah demons angels um, yeah, yeah. sort of mythological creatures and things like that always show up um the kind of the interesting thing about the um the localization for revelations persona 
as it was known in the West, uh-huh. is that it came like hot on the heels of the first game. I think the, I think the the Japanese release was September, and the localized Western release was by December, which at that time was a massive turnaround. Even these yeah. days, localizations can take twelve months to come around. I'm sure it must have been the highest quality as if they did it that quickly. Well, funny you should mention that. <laughs> um, short answer: No. Longer answer: No. Uh, <laughs> no with an exclamation point <laughs> yeah yeah and and then the ellipses off shimming every time they um they basically at the time the atlas usa didn't believe that western audiences were interested in japanese yeah. content there was a ton of that, that seemed... I, there was a ton of that in the 90s i just remember seeing so many games in magazines that never made it if, if not to europe some of them didn't make it to, some of them did make it to america but even us in europe we got even so so little yeah. cool japanese games i think uh, japanese developers by and large now are the complete opposite they kind of realize that oh look at all those weebs over there in the west they love our mental japanese shit it's so different now nowadays basically yeah yeah they, they know that that stuff absolutely will sell here you know yeah but back in 1996 whatever you said it was yeah probably yeah. A, a jrpg said in a japanese school was a bit of a a, a hard sell yeah yeah so they kind of they made a lot of like changes to the character art and stuff to kind of <laughs> whitened everyone's skin they gave them oh. all a, like cool by 90 standards haircuts they um, westernized them basically yeah they westernized them yeah yeah like uh, erico became ellen nanjo became nate mark <laughs> mark was still mark but they um decided to make mark black in this yeah, game and, right. and did yeah. so by basically just i don't know using the color dropper on microsoft paint to just change the art asset well so he was it just looks... a japanese kid in the original and they, and they just changed his skin color for the yeah and it does not look right now That's obviously dodge. obviously the, like the question of representation in video games is a big one and particularly representation in jrpgs of anything outside of you know just japanese people or white people yeah it basically doesn't exist in a lot of games and it's, yeah you know, yeah seeing a person of color in one of these games should be a step in the right direction but in this case it absolutely isn't it, it's no. a it's a hack job um well, representation in these games is going to be kind of, unfortunately, is going to be kind of a negative going forward. Yeah, it's going to come up again, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so as a result of the um, the, the super rushed localization, like is, it, as is, well this one, as, is this the one you've played? The localization, I've, or have you played the original? Because I know the original Japanese one is actually readily available now in the West. But did you still? It just is, play? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, basically, I have played the first hour of the first Persona. Yeah like four times now okay because <laughs> I, I keep trying god love me i keep trying um it was on the fourth time it stuck to get me about 10 hours in and then i was like actually you know what i'm sure there's a youtube video that summarizes this yeah um, it's not that good no it's not it's super interesting there's there's a lot of cool stuff that it does and there's stuff that kind of sows the seeds for things to come later but it's also just kind of a really bad time to play right just kind of like dated or do you think it would like this is Oh, actually, no, it's not. It's, but it's around the same time as Final Fantasy VII. So there was like big JRPGs happening that were like hugely yeah. popular at the time. So but was this kind of like, I, I, I would, I would have been playing like Grandia, do you know, mm. the JRPG on the PlayStation One. So we were playing JRPGs on the PlayStation One yeah. in the West around this time. But is this even kind of more awkward and weird than those? Yes, big time. Mm. To put it in context, the the localized version, the Revelations for Sona, would have released within about three weeks of. The original release of Final Fantasy VII. Oh, good timing for them. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Final Fantasy VII was January '97, 
and Revelations Persona would have been December 96. Interesting. Um, so comparing the two games is night and day. It's a, a huge difference. Now, as you mentioned, there was a, uh, a subsequent re-release that kind of dialed back on the, the localization issues. And that's Is, the one that I ended up playing a, a, a lot more of. Um, yeah, it sounds much less um, cringy and awkward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was the the, the PSP release. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, Shimigami Tensei Persona. Interesting little fun fact for you: um, that game and all of the PSP re-releases of the early games uh-huh. were directed by the series composer slash all around legend Shoji Meguro, who composed the music. Like, he composed the music for all the games. Yeah. And he just just did the re- just handled the remakes or handled the re-releases. I love it. Never involved in the making of any other video games, as far as I know. Just does the soundtracks, and they were like, "Hey, we need someone to look after the PSP versions. You're around, he'll do it." And um, depending on who you are, obviously, but you know, for the present company, you and me, like the Persona soundtracks are one of the biggest selling points. Like they're bombastic Japanese nonsense, but they're so classy. Is, is is early stuff like that intact in the original Persona? Like, like a Persona has such good music. Does, does the original, or is it just... Is there any, I'm trying to say, is there anything that's kind of in the spirit of the later ones that you can kind of see in the in the first game? Yeah, definitely. There's... The the music is there to a degree. Obviously, it's, it's not the sort of the, the huge full band orchestrations and arrangements that we get in the later games and stuff. But it definitely is interesting, particularly for the those PSP re-releases that Maguro uh, directed. He also completely redid the soundtracks for. Oh, awesome! The, the newer versions of them are absolutely cracking. I don't um, know why you'd play the the original one <laughs> with the horrible uh, race changing and everything. <laughs> I did because basically I'm an idiot, and every time I go to play the game, I forget how bad it is until <laughs> until I get a couple of minutes in. I, when I, I booted it up just to have a look at it again, there within the last couple of weeks when we were talking about doing this, I yeah. sent you on a, a screenshot of like literally the first screen, the first line of dialogue <laughs> and like everything about it is just kind of crap. <laughs> but the game itself, like while I have issues with how it plays, uh, particularly like the, the actual, the gameplay elements of it can be very grindy, even by a JRPG standards of that time. Yeah. The story of it is actually pretty cool. It, um... That would have been the biggest selling points because, uh, you know, I I love JRPGs. It's one of my favorite genres, but I'm very much in the, uh, of the opinion that it'd be a much more interesting genre if they, genre if they took more, more weird chances in their narrative because they tend to like fall into the same tropes and uh, and stereotypes. So by, by by 1996, having a game that looked like Persona, it must have been such a breath of fresh air. Like already, even by that, even by that time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, and this is you know very far away from the sort of D and D inspired heroic fantasy type yeah. stories that the the Final Fantasies had been telling kind of up to that point, or the even the Dragon Quest games that would have been the, the other big sure, uh, yeah. RPGs in Japan at the time. Like in this game, it's sort of centered around uh, a group of high school kids, as we said. That kind of at the start they play this uh, what they call the Persona game, kind of like an urban legend ritual game thing bloody mary or something bloody mary exactly yeah yeah yeah. yeah. um so they play the game and instead of getting a vision of the future they get kind of zapped by magic lightning they get get powers i know but twice a week nightmare yeah (laughs) um so they go to hospital while they're there there's an earthquake uh (laughs) world gets flooded with demons and these kids have to use their newly found powers that's like two inciting incidents and one after another 
Oh yeah, yeah. It, it gets better because the, the third thing that ties it all together is that this all is being caused by the antagonist they have to go up against, who is this kind of deranged tech bro who wants to become a god. Um, so basically, Elon Musk. If you want Elon to Musk, very, to very there. fucking topical. Is he is he trying yeah. to buy Twitter? Yes, uh, we made it topical. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the the 1996 equivalent of trying to buy Twitter, which is he has a machine and you get to hit it with fire. Transport. Oh yeah, <laughs> basically yeah. Um, so the kind of the plot sort of twists and turns from there, jumping across like alternate realities, and it's like completely mental plot. Um, without delving into spoiler territory, I don't please don't spoil it. By the end of it, it turns out that like five of the different named characters in the game. Are all the same person? What? And, yep. <laughs> That's a huge spoiler. <laughs> yeah, I didn't tell you which ones. <laughs> oh, that is like I, as someone who hasn't played it, that is a difficult thing to pull off. Did, did they did they do it in a in a satisfactory manner? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how they would manage that. It's. It, I don't know if it's good, but it's definitely fun. It's definitely something. It's definitely not. Yeah, it's definitely something. Yeah. But it, it's um, so weird when you're talking about it. Like when I think of Persona, and I, I'm thinking of the three, four, and five, the three that I've played. Mm-hmm. It just it's so, for lack of a better word, it's so domestic. It's a lot of hanging out. It's it's a very quiet game. A lot, you know. Uh, yeah. Does the first one have any of that, or is it just go go go? It does, but not in the same way. It doesn't kind yeah. of. It doesn't have the same sort of gamification of the the sort of leisure time that you see in the other games. Yeah, there's no yeah. social stats. There's no social links to level up your, your relationships with other characters, which are kind of things that we're going to get into big time mm-hmm. with the later games. It's the whole but bread this, and butter. Like, yeah. In this, like you can absolutely like take a beat, walk around, talk to people, get a feel for the city you're in. Um, there is the sort of the seed of the kind of world building that will show up in the later games. Um, but it's still, very much influenced by the sort of the other Mega Ten games that came before it, where it's like the combat is the thing. Yes, and is combat good? No, I don't like it at all. Really, it um, it uses this kind of grid system for positioning your your characters, kind of like a Paper Mario, um, or even the more recent South Park games. Yes, where your attacks have different ranges, you move your guys around. But it's kind of negated by the fact that your characters all have magic that is kind of works at any range, and they all have like guns. Nice. <laughs> this this is not the last time that teenage protagonists in a Persona game will have guns. Do they shoot enemies nope. with these ones? Because in Persona yeah, three, they shoot themselves. <laughs> it's, yeah, in Persona three, they shoot themselves. In Persona five, the guns are toys, but they work. That's right. For plot reasons, because the enemies believe that they're real. That's right. In yeah. this one. In this one, nope, just regular just human guns. guns. <laughs> just fucking, just an AK to shoot demons with. <laughs> so because you can kind of get around the range aspects of the system, you don't have to engage with it at all. Right. And if so, that's kind of, the, if that's the main thing that's making it unique and you just don't need to do it, it kind of undermines the whole experience, you know? And at this point is, poke, or is uh, I spoiled what I was going to say, is is Persona already edgy Pokemon? Because Persona yes. has, has a Pokemon element to it. You're collecting demons. So that's already there. That's full that's on in already the first there. game. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, um, unlike some of the later games, all of the characters in your party can uh, equip different Personas. So you acquire these Personas 
by engaging in sort but of a e- Pokemon even though some of these characters club. are all the same person. Sorry for interrupting you. <laughs> I, I love that twist. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Now all five of them are not all playable characters. It's oh. a mix of yeah. Oh, ridiculous. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it is. It, it's that thing of. Um, you can engage the, the the demons in like conversation. There's a, there's a contact option in the menu, and then you choose different options and different you responses. Chat them up, don't you? You chat them up, basically. Yeah. Like you if you have to kind of, them. it's like if you have to kind of convince uh, an EV to get into your Pokeball or something like that. Really, isn't it? Yeah, it's like yeah. that. Yeah, except incredibly frustrating. And where um, and you have an AK if you want to shoot. And you have an AK. You might as well just shoot easy and stupid fucking face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's the clip that's going to get taken out of context. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, like the context system, the, the talking to the personas and recruiting them is there, but l- like everything else in this game, it hasn't been refined down to the right. thing that works yet in this and in the, the next game as well. Although to a less egregious degree, you can, contact the persona you have to kind of work out what to say to get them on side but each of your characters has like four different options of what they can say and you've very little guidance as to which response is going to get you the reaction you want whether so it's, it's going kind to of trial them, and error is it make them yeah so it's trial and error but it's trial and error where you have like 20 different possible options yeah. each time and you have to just constantly plug away and then to, to sort of make matters slightly worse is that they have added a slight amount of rng so sometimes so, it just won't work for you. Sometimes it just won't work. You'll you'll choose the right response. It won't work. You'll get no feedback to tell you that. So you'll never know to go back and try it again. Yeah, ugh. and that's just one system. Like that's just a conversation system. That's like on top of like the combat system and the magic and stuff of like that. It's just one element of battle. Is there like too much going on in that? Yeah, absolutely. To like to get through a round of combat in this game, you kind of have to navigate through like <laughs> six different menus. Now, I love a menu, but that might be too many. Yeah, it's six different main menus. Each, five of those can also have sub-menus if you're picking like spells or things to use. Uh. And if you, if you get like four people in and you're like, oh, I made a mistake there. I need to change something. You have to reset back to the start and do them all again. Oh, no, 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 no. What, what, what so were they thinking? It, I, I don't know. They just, like I said, I, I just feel like they had the kernel of the idea there from the get-go. They just had to refine it, you know? Well, I think that might be a good uh, point to move on to the second game, which you've also played. And from an outsider, I always hear, it's the one, do you know what, wait, there's always like one in a series, you know? Whereas I was like, it's, it's, never the least, it's never the most popular one. Actually, for ages in Zelda, it was Majora's Mask. It's never the most popular one, but it's the one where the fans will come up to you and go like, man, you gotta play Majora's Mask. I always hear, online that persona 2 is this hidden gem that like yeah. anytime you'd like even want to say anything complimentary towards three four or five some persona fan will, will come out of woodwork and go it's not two and you're a fucking loser <laughs> yeah absolutely um persona 2 is a game that i absolutely love mm. but 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 ellipsis there's a lot it yeah ellipsis it's it's a game that is i just mix like effusive praise with just tons of caveats. Yeah. It's um it's weird. It's a very weird game in its design philosophies, in its kind of atmosphere, and most of all in its plot. Good. This thing good. Is, it's like yes and the video game. <laughs> I just I imagine like the, the pitch meeting at Atlas for it would have been like, do you know the key and peel sketch 
for Gremlins 2. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's going in the movie. I just looked going around the room. It's going in the game. It's completely bonkers. It manages to mix like some real sincere, heartfelt um, character moments and development with an overarching plot that is batshit insane. It's a game that's about sort of living with and overcoming childhood trauma and grief and guilt, but it's also a game that's about a doomsday cult that's trying to bring about the end of the world. Uh, it's also a game about an ancient Mayan spaceship. Ooh. Um, and then to complicate matters, it's also a game about literal, actual World War II Nazis. Fuck, from the past, like, into the present? No, they just, they have mechs now. Oh no! That's the yeah. last thing we need. Yeah, and this all comes from like the central sort of plot and narrative conceit of the game is that in this setting, uh, rumors are becoming true. So if a rumor gets spread, if enough people believe it, it becomes true. That's actually a brilliant um, narrative um, idea. It's That's great. such a good idea. Yeah, um, they don't always nail the <laughs> the execution of it, but for an idea, I think it's fantastic. It um. It kind of they use it in the game's narrative to kind of alter the reality, kind of on the fly as they go. So, for example, there's like there's a set piece where one of the dungeons is in this like aerospace museum, and you're part of you're surrounded, and you like you fight your way up and you fight the boss, and you realize there's no escape, and uh, you free some hostages, and before you let the hostages free, you spread a rumor to them that the entire museum is actually an airship, <laughs> and then people believe it, and the thing just fucking takes off. I love that. That's great. Or there's, um, rather than the sort of traditional JRPG thing of every town, for some reason, having like a weapons shop and an armor shop standing side by side, uh, you instead have to like, you spread a rumor that the old lady behind the counter in the local ramen place is actually like an ex-spy and an arms dealer. And she sells you weapons then? And then once the rumor is spread, like you go back in and she's got like an eye patch and a fag hanging out of her mouth <laughs> and she likes, she'll sell you knives. This is genius. Um, yeah, I, lo- so I, I, cool. I love that. It's such a it's such um, a fun worker because it's funny the, the 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 Persona games that I've played after this always find increasingly silly workarounds of how you can like live in this kind of contemporary modern setting, but you have to go to a weapon shop and buy weapons. You know they'll always come up with like really goofy reasons why. That, but that's the best one I think. I don't think any of them top Persona 2's idea. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely a great idea. Now, like I said, the execution doesn't live up to the idea the whole way through. Yeah, it um. In particular, it carries over a lot of the battle systems from the first game. The The grid is gone, but you're still diving through menus every time in a way that it really wears on you after a while. And the contact system is still there. Um, the RNG is gone. But mm-hmm. to make things worse, now when you contact a persona, you can combine two party members to have them go at once. Okay. So instead of having 20 different options, you have like... 20 different options plus any combination of two party members as well right so it's kind of it's basically impossible to do without a guide or infinite patience okay that's a shame but is 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 one of those things where um is one of those games i should say where the stuff like that is quite antiquated and annoying but does everything else kind of carry you through it while persona one doesn't really have the kind of charm to kind of carry you through the, the tedium that might be there yeah absolutely absolutely and i think tedium is kind of the fair assessment of it is that it's not it's never like aggressively bad but it's just bad enough for just long enough 
for you to go, oh no, again, because do... the encounter rate is quite high as well. It's random so battles, get... right? It's literally yeah, random old, battles, old school, like... no frills, random battles. Yeah, so you do you get like six fights in a row, and you're kind of like, ah. <laughs> I would like to get back to the bonkers plot now. I wonder what Mecha Hitler is up to. Is Hitler in it? Hitler is in it. Yeah, um, <laughs> Jesus they don't they don't refer to him as Hitler. They refer to him okay. as Führer. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the workaround. Kind of, yeah, to, to obfuscate a little bit of who he is, he still has the you know the, the signature tash, but he's wearing aviators, so you can't be sure if it's the same guy. And, and I'm just I'm piecing this together. Does someone rumor him into existence? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Brilliant. there's um, <laughs> there's a there's a cult that you're fighting along the way, yeah. and they kind of there's a couple of terror attacks in the city. They detonate bombs, and someone spreads the rumor that it's not the cult that it's actually. That like uh, surviving members of uh, Hitler's uh, Iron Battalion who had been hiding in Antarctica for the past fifty <laughs> years and building mechs, and then once the rumor gets spread, it becomes true. I'd be furious. I'd be like, of all the rumors, yeah. because you know, rumors are come true in this world, right? Why did you do the Hitler rumor, Steve? <laughs> yeah, Christ, <fucking> Steve. <laughs> yeah. It, um, the the. You fight Hitler as a boss towards Good. the end. Well, you, you, um, I think it, like like Wolfenstein and stuff like that. I think if you're going to put Hitler into a video game, you have to be able to, you know, beat him. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, just out of interest, in Wolfenstein, did Hitler wield the literal spear that was used to pierce the side of Christ on the cross? Because <laughs> in this game, he does. <laughs> I was almost going to say like, "Ooh, Wolfenstein, he's in a mech suit. You're not going to beat that." But you did. You did beat yeah. it. Just, just Hitler in aviators wielding the spear of destiny is like, one one of the weirder boss fights I've come across in any game. Twenty plus years later, this is still mega unique. Like, this is still yeah. so like. There's any game like any games that have yeah. that amount of fucking wild charisma. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, this one did not get localized at the time no, of release. I didn't know that's right. This I, one, I, I knew uh, that. All right, I didn't know the reasons why. Yeah, um, but mostly that stuff. Um, it did get a, a PSP release again, directed by Shoji Meguro in yeah. I think 2011 or so. It was after uh, three and four had been very successful. They kind of were willing to go back. Um, I suppose the other thing to note about Persona 2 is that it's actually a, a duology. That's right. There are two games. There's Persona 2 Innocent Sin and Persona 2 Eternal Punishment. And I have not played Eternal Punishment and I know yeah. absolutely nothing about it. I only know um, that it's the only one where you don't play as a group of teenagers, I think. I think you're adults in that. Yeah. I did kind sense. of knew I, I did kind of go in knowing I was like, oh, this is handy. Between the between the two of us, we we know all five games, but I actually did know that there's six games because Persona 2 is uh yeah. Is uh, two games, but if you didn't bring it up, I wasn't going to say anything about it. You know? <laughs> yeah, but I, I think we've Innocent Sane is kind of regarded as the more interesting one, anyway. So I think, I think I think we're coming the Hitler one exactly. <laughs> he yeah. could be in both. We don't know. He could be. Yeah, Jesus. Um, but yeah, it's kind of in amongst the 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 Hitler nonsense and the world ending plot and the cults and stuff. What kind of really holds the game together? is the the characters and the characterization is actually really fucking good is it way, be- really? way better than it has any right to be for a right. game that is you know tedious to play and batch it for the narrative the characters are kind of great really um it's kind of unusual in terms of persona games or kind of jrpgs in general where you have your five characters and they're in your party and they're there all the time you're not moving people in and out of the party so the narrative never has to account for not knowing who's going to be there at any kind of plot moment it's like in playing final fantasy 7 and when 
Eris finally dies and you have Vincent and, and Catslet in your team and it's just like, oh shit. That's less, that's less emotionally resonant than if like Barrett and Tifa were here, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and it's kind of, the, the whole game is kind of, it's in the title, The Innocent Sin. It's kind of all centered around this um, this idea of like a, a childhood uh, trauma or transgression that kind of links all the characters in ways that they don't realize at first. And it kind of, are any, of, this... are, are any of them all the same person? Did they, did they reuse that twist? Kind of, oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god, did they? <laughs> no, not exactly. But there is, <laughs> there is a segment in the second act of the game where, um, like, evil doppelgangers of all the characters show up. So this game sounds wild. You're actually selling it so well, just in, in sheer like saying how, how how crazy and bonkers it is. And then to kind of come out and say, oh, also the characterization is really good, and it's based about shared, it's based around shared childhood trauma. That sounds like yeah. fascinating, to be honest. It sounds like it really, is. really good. Yeah, fascinating is is absolutely the word. It's it's super interesting. It's such a weird, weird choice to make for the game. Mm. Um, and like in that aspect, they absolutely pulled it off. Um, it's it's a game that I would love to be able to recommend to people. But I don't know if I can. The gameplay is just a little bit too. It's yeah, mm. it's the sort of thing that you could probably play it with like a guide, get through the gameplay stuff, and just enjoy the narrative and the character moments as they go. But at that point, I don't know. Am I just am I recommending watching a summary on YouTube with extra exactly, steps? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You could just watch it on YouTube if you're going to go that far. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, speak. Speaking of guides, actually, that reminds me, this has a bit of a controversy surrounding its most popular guide on game FAQs, oh, oh, oh. where the, the guy who made the guide at the time of the PSP release, um, this massive definitive guide that covers every possible aspect of the game in minute detail, about 10 years later, got religion. And <laughs> yeah, and now absolutely hates the game, and has gone on like a crusade to try and get the guide taken down, <laughs> and get his name taken off it and disown it. And can he? And it, I mean, it's it's his work. Uh, as soon as you put a, a guide or review up in game FAQs, are they are they lost to you? I don't I don't know. I think it's more that it's it's just it's out there now. Once something's on the internet, it's going to show true. up again. Someone's just going to copy paste it. When I was a teenager, I wrote two reviews and put them up on Game FAQs. It just reminded me. I wonder if they're still there. Anyone wants to go check? I wrote a review of Final Fantasy twelve and Killer Seven, and they mm-hmm. could still be there. And hopefully, hundreds of people have enjoyed that review. <laughs> I got yeah. the games recommended. Yeah, what what we'll do, Liam, is we'll um we'll put a link to the reviews in the description of the podcast. <laughs> no, okay, if you don't get to come on the podcast and start making <laughs> link decisions, okay, <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll just tweet them out once a day oh, at you no. every time. Oh gosh, uh, it was either that or I start tweeting out your Final Fantasy VII fan fiction. So it's your choice. Oh man, look, I was just a kid who was really into Sid Highwind. Okay, you leave <laughs> me alone. Stop shaming me for that. Yeah. Um. So that is uh, Persona Two. Or it's Persona 2 Innocent Sin, anyway. I suppose it's half of Persona 2 was the half that I know. Yeah. It's a super interesting game that is well worth anyone's attention. If you think from anything we've described that it sounds interesting, and you think that you'll be able to kind of switch your brain off enough to get through the tedious stuff, hmm. I can firmly recommend giving it a look. But like, don't go into it unless you're willing to meet it halfway. And just kind of, yeah, maybe maybe throw on a, a podcast like hey look listen or throw or like throw on something maybe when you're doing the battle segments or something yeah absolutely yeah 
Um, one thing I suppose that is of note of the game that I should mention, um, because it's something that kind of surround comes up a lot in the dialogue around the later games, mm-hmm. is that uh, Tatsuya, the protagonist of Persona Two: Innocent Sin, yeah, is explicitly and canonically bisexual. Oh right, yeah. Okay. There is a ro- there is a romance option for a male character in it, which is not in any of the later games. That's a, I was about to say that's better than the fucking sequels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like like I said, there's no social links in this game. You're not going to have a scene where you go on a date with this person. You're not going to have like an in depth discussion about it. It literally just towards the end of the game comes up as a dialogue option, where like the game just asks you, "Who are you in love with?" <laughs> I wish, wish all games did that. Yeah. And at the, if end, you of port- at the end of Portal, who are you in love with? I'm like, <laughs> Orange Portal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and basically, if you if you pick the the same sex option, um, yeah. it, the game like just plays it straight. It's not no. it's not made to be a weird it choice. Like, it doesn't play that straight, obviously. Well, no. Okay. No, wouldn't, it wouldn't, would it? <laughs> but yeah, like the, the dialogue option, the dialogue that comes then from the other romance options, they're super understanding about it. Um, it's just like just played as a normal thing. It's yeah. great to see because it's something that was like not included and like very much called for in a lot of the later games. Kev, for a fucking nineties Japanese game, that's a fucking triumph. Yeah, absolutely. Borderline absolutely, unheard, absolutely, borderline yeah. unheard of. <laughs> Shall we move on to Persona Three? Absolutely. I believe Persona Three was the one that really like put the series on the map in a big way. It was um, much less niche. And I think you've played a bit of Persona 3, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've played about uh, 10, 15 hours of it. Yeah. I um, I started playing it last summer um, and started it, played it like every night for about an hour, for about a week, loved it, put it down, and then just like completely forgot about it until <laughs> until like it's within right the last week or so where I yeah. picked it back up again. Um, it's great. <laughs> it's It's so good. It's actually the first Persona game I played. Uh, I, I I bought it back in the day when it came out in uh, like 2008 in, um, in 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 Europe. It was actually quite late coming out in Europe. I got it for the PlayStation yeah. 2 because I was reading reviews. And just like you describing Persona 2 there, it just sounded so fascinating and so different. And, you know, I was like, especially then, I was mad for a JRPG that just, like, you know, colored outside the lines or whatever. Yeah. And I just bounced off it at the time. <laughs> I just I just didn't really put much of a dent on it, and uh, I put it down after like yeah about ten hours and kind of I actually bought Persona Four as well, and in a weird thing in in Europe Persona Three and Persona Four came out in the same year because okay. Persona Three was so delayed, and I remember going oh I'll give it I'll give you know I don't know why I didn't enjoy my time with Persona Three, but I was just like oh I'll get Persona Four I'll give this franchise another go, yeah. and Persona Four I ended up getting really into, but again I only did about maybe twenty hours of it and I ended up putting it down for different reasons because it was extremely diff I found it difficult but I'll get to Persona 4 in a while. So it wasn't until a few years ago when I played Persona 5 finally and uh became obsessed with it. I was like now's the time to go back and play those other two. And uh I ended up playing Persona 3 on the I I bought a PlayStation Vita specifically mm. to be a Persona machine. <laughs> it's just like I want to get the better the, the, the good versions of Persona 3 and Persona 4. And the main thing um Obviously, like what we're talking about earlier on is uh, it it changed uh, the franchise completely and it became what the franchise is now known for, which is living as a kind of um, a, a, a school, a school uh, living as a schoolboy and, and and fighting and enemies and kind of mixing the kind of the ordinary with the fantastical and having it play out each calendar day, which the other two Persona games didn't have, obviously. 
And yeah. I remember turning it on back in the 2000s. And as soon as it begins, as soon as like the anime opening uh, kicks in and then the music plays, it just, it, it's still to this day, it just feels so its own thing. It feels so unique. It has like a soundtrack of a lot of jazz and hip hop. And it's just the most unique game ever. And it's about, yeah, you're, 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 start, you're starting in this new school. And yeah, you find out that there's a gigantic tower called Tartarus that you have to climb with a bunch of people to fight monsters and you need to summon persona uh, out of you which are like your it's all it's it's all based on was like a kind of, uh, jungian um philosophy isn't it yeah and uh yeah and the way the controversial thing and the the very the very way i heard about this game was just like reading it on ign or something and it was just like in normal jrpgs your characters just summon magic, whatever. But in, in Persona 3, in order to summon your Persona to cast magic, their teenage characters need to shoot themselves in the head. And I was like, what? <laughs> Excuse like, me? You have my attention. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, it's actually really bad taste as well, you know? Oh, it's, it is. Yeah. Now, now the, they're, they're not, when you play the game, they're not actually using guns. They're using special devices. But like the main kind of visual of Persona 3 is your teenage characters putting guns to their temples and pulling the trigger with a big bang, and then um, uh, creatures emerge out of them, and it's just so wild. And it is even even in comparison to its sequels, Persona Three just has this very individualistic sense of itself. It's just so a unique thing. All these years later, and I'll, and I'll always love it for that. But I happen to think it is the worst of the three Persona games I've played. Okay. And you cannot say that on the internet anywhere where Persona people hang out. Yeah, uh, out you... of interest, which version of this? Because this is something that is going to become an issue for the rest of the games we talk about, where they've been released multiple times yeah, with different yeah. content in them. So which version of Persona 3 did you engage with the most? Yeah, so I, I had the, the original P- PS2 version of it, but that was the one I hardly played. Oh, I still own that, though. It's a very cool um, game to own. But the one I played was the PlayStation Vita. Or no, it was the PSP re-release of it that I played on the Vita which is called Persona 3 Portable, which has some pretty um, dramatic uh, change to the visuals. Yeah. It actually kind of makes it, turns it into a, almost a, um, a, like a visual, visual novel. novel, a visual novel for a lot of it, yeah, because it takes out um, the actual full exploration of the school and you're just scrolling through menus, like you click on cafeteria and a menu and you go there. But it adds some like quality of life stuff that I much prefer. Like in the original Persona 3, you couldn't control your, um, your teammates in battle. You only controlled your main character. And your yeah. teammates in battle were kind of poor enough AIs. And I hate that. I think what the fun thing about turn-based battles is kind of having full control of it and being able to strategize. You know, it's good It's good to be able to put on an auto mode for like, you know, some, you know, tedious kind of, you know, um, low-level battles just to get through them. But for some really good fights in a game like that, you need to be able to control your whole team. And I always hate um, um, JRPGs that have uh, AI control characters. I don't really enjoy it at all. So definitely, yes. Yeah, especially in in these games where like your 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 party buffs and your enemy debuffs can be pivotal, you know. Yeah, exactly. Making, making yourself stronger, making the enemy weaker is an essential part of it. If you're relying on the computer's AI to make your party member cast one of those spells, and they, I don't know, throw a heal or something instead, that's it's a nightmare, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, like in in most RPGs, you know, an enemy that'd be weak against an element, like an enemy that's weak against fire. That's, you know, a helpful thing, but the whole kind of battle system in Persona is based around that, and I believe the Shin Megami Tensei games as well, where it's essential to hit an enemy with its weakness. Yeah. And if you can hit all the enemies um, with their weaknesses, you, they're all knocked down, you can do an all-out attack on them, which is basically all your characters jumps into a cartoon dust cloud and beats them up. 
And, you know, so it's a, it's a really cool battle system. But I remember when I played it originally on the PS2, I didn't really think so because I couldn't control two of the characters in the party, you know? Yeah. And the whole battling is, is based around climbing this ta- tower called Tartarus and actually has another big no-no for me for, for um, uh, GRPGs, which is um, randomly generated dungeons. Yes. So Yeah, so it's just each floor of Tartarus. Can, it can take you a couple hours to do each segment of it. And each time you go back, it's just randomly generated corridors. There's no design yeah. to the dungeons. It's just corridors in a, in a random order. And it can get very, I said, I said earlier on, stick on a podcast or something. And that's what I used to do playing Persona 3 when I finally got into it. Just live. I enjoy the battles and I like, I enjoy the music. I enjoy the atmosphere. I enjoy all that stuff. But I don't know. The level design is so rudimentary that it can just become very tedious to kind of go through this. But as soon as I kind of understood, I kind of, you know, uh, accepted that I, that this is how all the battling is going to be in all the, the dungeons. I kind of got yeah. into um, a rhythm of putting on a YouTube thing or putting on whatever and kind of doing it while I was playing the game. Yeah, and it's of course it's worth noting as well that the sort of the the procedural generation of the random generation of the dungeons is very very basic. Yeah, we're not talking about things like Spelunky or Hades where the levels no, are no, no, randomly no. generated, but are you know rich and full of details. These are just it's just lock, corridors. Locky corridors that fold in on each other. Just choose eventually, left or eventually right. Eventually, you find the stairs. Exactly. Yeah. Julie, oh, I, I went left and I found a treasure. I went right and I found um, another option to go left or right. It's just the same thing, yeah. you know, until you find the stairs leading up. Yeah, but it's fine because you only have to do it for about ten levels or so. Isn't that right? No. <laughs> I know. Like, there's a hundred or something, isn't there? I know. <laughs> It's like the entire game. It's the spine of the game. <laughs> yeah, I know. But obviously, the other, I, I don't think any of this is bad, but it's not like my favorite thing in the world. But like when I yeah. think of Persona 3, I don't really think of that as the main thing. Persona 3, like I said, was the first Persona game to have you living this life. You go to school, you attend class, you have to do, uh, you, your teacher asks you questions and you have to answer them. And then yeah. you have downtime where you can choose to do whatever, like many options to study, you can hang out with friends. Yada yada, and all this is um, the basic setup that Persona became famous for of merging the story part of the game with the gameplay. So your social yeah. life and who you hang out and what you do builds up stats that affect your battling. Yeah. That's always been like the real genius of of um, these games in, from from the three I've played. You know, that's the kind of um, outstanding feature of them. And the great thing about Persona Three and Four and Five, in my opinion, is that this element of it gets better each time. So in terms of uh, in, ter- in terms of sequels progressing, there's um, a very satisfying arc of um, the developers you know, getting it better, getting it you know um, whittling down, um, chiseling out this concept and making it yeah. a better mechanic each time. So obviously Persona Three uh, by that by that um, definition would would be it is the weakest one, but it's, it's it's the first one, it's the pioneer, you know. Yeah, worth noting as well that it, I know we've mentioned this. In passing previously, but Persona Three in particular has an absolutely banging soundtrack. Yeah, it really does. And it's like, you know, you, you're fighting, ba- you're, you're fighting the same battle, or you're fighting battles for the whole game, hundreds and hundreds of battles, and you're listening to the same battle music, and you think you should get sick of it. But I and never you absolutely did. Absolutely don't. You no, know, it's like baby, 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 baby. Every time I'd just be there, my headphones on, my with my PlayStation Vita, and I'd just be there, like baby, 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 baby. <laughs> it's like really, it's like really hip hop battle music, and it's brilliant. Yeah, it's it's so, so good. Fucking, it's so fucking cool. But that's Persona 3's vibe, Kev. Is, is it's like it's the best thing about it, and it's very. And I mean this in a kind of, I mean this in a loving way. It is extremely edgy. It's very adolescent. Yes. It's very, it's like. People, I can imagine people who got into it and really loved it when it came out in the late 2000s, you know, 
probably were playing it beside their big My Chemical Romance poster or something like that. You know, <laughs> I don't know. It's just and yeah, it's, the three Persona games, um, three, four, and five all have kind of distinct styles and tones. So none of them are bad; they're just different. But um, when I finally played this game fully, I was a full-grown adult, and I didn't find it extremely. What's the word? I didn't find it extremely like I, I was going to say engaging, but it is an extremely R- relatable. engaging game. No, I don't, know, I don't even have to find it relatable. But there's just something about it because the theme of the game ends up being death, yeah. and and kind of facing death, um, kind of uh, living with knowing it's coming and accepting it. And I find that kind of a weird kind of. They came, the developers came up with this game. We're like, let's have a game where you literally play as a teenager. You play out every day of his life. And you make all these decisions, and then I, I, for me, that kind of sits awkwardly with the with building a game around the idea of death. Yeah, and I'm sure you know a lot of people wouldn't think that way. Maybe this, this is this is really cool, but like I said, it's kind of like an edgy game. And when I get to Persona Four, I think Persona Four found a, a story that kind of and a, and a group of characters that kind of wraps around the, the central uh, gameplay loop, the central um, uh, gameplay mechanics better. But it that that's what Persona Three is. It's a kind of edgy 2000s anime about death but i i tend to remember kind of <laughs> about that game is hanging out in you know their kind of after school and there's like a hip-hop soundtrack on it it's just a very atmospheric game yeah for sure it's um it's kind of a common thread with the games from here on out it's that they kind of regardless of what's going on at any given moment in the game, they're usually just a kind of a, a good place to hang out. Exactly, yeah. It was very vibey. And like the characters are really good. There's not my favorite um, group of characters ever in a JRPG. One of them is a robot. So so while Persona 3 attempts to be this kind of, you know, um, domestic teenage story as well as fantastic elements, uh, you know, it, 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 a character is a robot. So, so it's not kind of just like relate, relatable story with kind of relatable characters. And even your more ordinary characters, they're all kind of a part of a secret society within the school that are kind of fighting these demons in secret, you know? One of the things that I really liked about Persona 4 was that you play as a bunch of regular kids who get kind of sucked in to strange events rather than kind of in Persona 3 where all the kind of character arcs are kind of based around these kids who are already kind of, you know, have very JRPG kind of fantastical backstories. And I think that's kind of a wasted opportunity because I, I think the great thing about Persona 4 being kind of more down to earth is that that, that suits the, the, the way you play much better because it's literally living out um, the day, every day of this person's life. So I think having a half of the game be completely ordinary and domestic is much better. Persona 3 for me is just a little bit, despite it's um radical kind of uh structure which was great at the time it's just a little bit too outlandish in every part of it even yeah. though you're like you're kind of choosing to go to the arcade or you're choosing to do all these domestic things it's like too outlandish all the time and it has a very outlandish anime storyline and i understand why it's some people's favorites and like i said you cannot badmouth this game around persona fans because people seem to love it probably you can badmouth them only if badmouth it only if you're like praising too yeah i think that's the rule <laughs> isn't it but uh, yeah i just think they kind of whittle down this concept in four and five better. Yeah. Well, on Persona 4, I guess we move on to that. That is my big blind spot. Like, I haven't yeah, finished yeah, you haven't three. Played it. Yeah, yeah. I haven't finished three. I haven't played four at all. 
like, and I'm sort of a self-proclaimed, you know, fan of the Persona series. It's like saying that I love the Godfather movies, but I've never seen two, you know? Yeah, it's it's, it's weird because it's, it's so readily available now because it's on Steam now as well. They yeah. got, it got re-released. It was kind of locked to the Vita and the PlayStation 2 there for a long time. For Persona 4 is, well, until Persona 5 came out, obviously, Persona 4 was like the mega popular one. And it's the one that they milked for years after it came yeah. out. It, it got a re-release and it got a bunch of fighting game spin-offs. You got a dancing spin-off, so I think there were there were fans eventually turned on it because I think it was overexposed for a while. Yeah. But that doesn't kind of take away from the fact that this was like the first mega popular one um for a while there. And Kev, it's I, I think Persona 5 is the best Persona game if you just like, you know, kind of lay out lay out the facts, you know, <laughs> out all the mechanics. But Persona 4 is the only one uh, that would probably be in my top ten games of all time. Okay. I just like really love it. And like, well, like I, like I was getting towards there, but the, I just prefer the. It's set in a, it's set in a small town, a small Japanese village. Like uh, Persona, I think Persona One and Two are set in like Tokyo as well, aren't they? Uh, fictional cities that are based on Tokyo, yeah. but yeah. Persona, like Persona Five, is overtly set in Tokyo. Persona, Persona Three is kind of set in a on an, an, an island, but it's like a, a very urban setting as well. But you're out in the country in Persona Four, and you're an exchange student to. Um, you're living with your, uh, is he your uncle? Yeah, he's your uncle. He, he's a, he was a cop. And you're living with your uncle and your little cousin. You have to stay and you're living for a year. Just so happens that when you move to this town, a serial killer starts killing people while you're there. Oh, no. I know. It's, I hate when that happens. This is so yeah. annoying. So this is a game that's about a serial killer. But on the other side of that coin, it's also like the loveliest game ever made. It is Friendship, the video game. And I, I think there's the, the controversial element of it is if you go if you go back to, all the way back to the Shin Megami Tensei games and then you go back to the Persona games you were talking about and then you go to Persona Three, there's a certain what well, be the good work there's a certain edge to them. They're a little kind of darker in compared to other kind of JRPGs. Oh yeah, for sure. And Persona Four kind of loses that. It's like bright and colorful. Even the menus are all bright yellow color. You know, there's just a very sunny feeling to this game. Yeah, pretty much the only thing that I sort of picked up through cultural osmosis about Persona 4 is the color yellow, and <laughs> one of the characters looks kind of like Kim Pine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll go along with that. I was like, Kim Pine, I was like, oh, Scott Pilgrim, I got it. <laughs> I had to go through the file index in my head there. But uh, yeah, and yeah, so you eventually find out that there's a secret world inside um, the te- televisions, because Persona games love kind of um, the kind of taking at that times technology and kind of, you know, using it in their main plot. So when you get onto Persona 5, the internet is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. But in Persona in, in Persona 4, it was very much about people's obsession with um, uh, televisions and their kind of uh, um, sensationalizing their own lives and who they want to be in, in, inside their own heads rather than, rather than just accepting who their true selves are. And you find out that there's a, there's a world in the television that you can jump into and if someone gets thrown in there, they can create a, a palace based around their hidden desires or whatever. But if they stay in there for too long, they'll die. So you got to go in and help these people by, by fighting through their palaces and basically like healing their hearts, essentially. And each of your main characters who you meet, you start off with uh, two characters. You, your main character who makes two friends almost immediately. But every character after that is you do their dungeon first. So each of the dungeons okay. is based around the next main character you're going to be getting. 
So you kind of do, they kind of have their whole arcs, you know, they, you, they, they have their whole kind of chapter of the story that's based around them, which is a really kind of cool way to um, make the, this group of characters extremely likable and extremely um, like well-written. And yeah, like the most famous one, I think would be um, the second dungeon in the game, which is based around the character of Kanji. And mm-hmm. Kanji is my favorite character in Persona. And he could be one of my favorite characters in all the games, but he's basically, he's like the local tough kid, you know, and he's like a punk looking guy and he's like super angry and, you know, he's like really standoffish and, you know, we're going to steal my lunch money and stuff like that. But his, his TV realm that you go into is basically, yeah, it's a, it's a man's bathhouse with a ton of buff men around the place and stuff like that. So it's kind of about, you know, his, his, you know, his, yeah, his hidden sexuality and, what I, what I love about um, Persona 4 in general and what I love about uh, Kanji, the character, is that Troy Baker does his voice, you know. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long before he was like Joel from The Last of Us or whatever. And at the time, you know, you know he was... I, there's videos of him on YouTube going on about um, how much he loves Kanji, um, you know, and going on about those. It's so good to have, you know, gay representation in, in, in video games. But um, Kanji's sexuality is, not, is really not the important thing. And I know he's a little bit more like fluid in that as well it's not important it's about his his relationship towards you know masculinity yeah and his own masculinity and not really kind of get, being able to be who he wants to be and this is the first persona game kev where you can hang out with your friends on your downtime and you have a thing called a social link with them now you could do this in persona 3 but it was all mm-hmm. just tertiary characters who you meet around the town but in, in persona 4 in your core group of friends you can choose to spend any day or any like chunk of a day to hang out with them. And the, the higher you get their social link, the better friends they are with you and they become more useful in battle. They learn new skills, all that good stuff. But obviously the other side of that as well is that you get to know them better. Like I said, you become better friends with them. And one of the things that's always fascinated, fascinated me about these games, the Persona games, is how little you know, a video game has to be interactive but how that interactivity really just increases storytelling a lot sometimes. So taking Kanji as an example, the fact that, you know, I didn't do anything more than throughout the game, choose to hang out with him, choose to go hang out with Kanji rather than this other character or choose to hang out with him rather than do this thing, study or whatever, increase my stats. But by the time I got to the end of his story and he kind of, you know, he's much more kind of in tune with who he is in the inside and he's much more open and he's happy. I felt fucking proud of him. Do you know, do you know, genuinely proud of him, and you wouldn't really feel that particular emotion watching a film or reading a book. Like I said, the like the, this this form of interactive storytelling isn't the most complex thing you'll ever see in a game, but just because the game gave me the choice to kind of see his story play out, to choose to hang out with him, to, to like choose dialogue options that made make him feel better or whatever, I felt proud kind of by the end of that game, and that's kind of. Um, really indicative of my just feelings towards this game in general. It's just the loveliest game with the loveliest set of characters, and the story is about that serial killer and who um, and who what's going on with the TV world. But the best writing in Persona Four is all that optional stuff. It's the social, yeah. it's, it's it's hanging out with these characters, and like it's not Shakespeare. You know, it's not <laughs> it's not the most amazing yeah. writing. Look, do you know what? It has a really good English localization though, which really helps. Uh, mm-hmm. very natural sounding dialogue but still this isn't like the best written thing you'll ever find but some of these characters are like really memorable but um and what's so good about them is is, is they're um how ordinary they are and that's that's what i prefer in persona 3 they're all just too fantastical so they don't really feel like real teenagers well 
in Persona 4, you have fantastical characters. One of them is, you know, she used to be like the most famous pop singer in the world. Uh, one of them is a famous teen detective. So I'm not saying that they're, <laughs> they're not these really ridiculous <laughs> Japanese characters, but their character arcs and what they're going through are like incredibly normal things. Like that yeah. teen detective is um, a girl who's pretending to be uh, a boy because uh, she's she's so obsessed with this whole idea of herself and and her what profession she wants to do and she doesn't think it's something that a woman can do yada yeah, and that's good stuff there's one yeah. character one character yosuke who's the first victim who dies in the game from the serial killer is he's like crush from uh, that when, when he's in school and his character arc is kind of you know mourning her yes it's a part of his character arc anyway he's mourning her but he's also kind of discovering and realizing that he meant nothing to her he's kind of more obsessed with his okay. own idea his own idea of what he was to her and now that she's dead there's no real closure for him and Ooh, that's, that's good, good stuff it's good that's stuff, good man. stuff. It, 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 it's really good stuff and the whole game just has this chill best summer of our lives stand by me hangout vibe yeah you know what i mean and it's just it's anime nonsense and there's like a lot of very silly, uh, silly things in it and but it's just nice at its core, despite the fact it's about it's about a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. Every time we talk about this game and it comes up from time to time, I come away from it going, "I need to play this." Yeah, I really do. It just sounds right up my street. Um, like I, I own the Steam copy. It's it's in the library on the laptop that I'm looking at right now. But I just keep holding out hope for a Switch port. I know this. Well, that's the thing we can talk about with all the personas. I the Switch would just be the perfect console. The handheld functionality would be perfect for the kind of uh, chill out vibe of Persona games, you know, and, and kind of putting it on for an hour and doing kind of domestic stuff, and then or maybe just having it handheld while you're watching TV while you're doing like a dungeon or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean it's not outside the realms of possibility, but it's people have been saying that every year for the last. I don't know, five or six years. It's, I suppose it's worth noting that the first game came out in 96. So last year was the 25th anniversary of its release. And Atlas have been doing a sort of a year-long celebration of Persona in which they promised that they'd be announcing and releasing games. Now, that has so far materialized, I think, just a remaster of the Persona 4 fighting game. <laughs> yeah, for the Switch. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But there's still, I guess, a possibility of some Switch ports coming out or some games being made available. I think another thing is maybe the the new Game Pass equivalent that Sony are bringing out this summer. They have specifically said that, you know, PS1, 2 and PSP games will be included on the different tiers. So it's entirely possible there that we might see some versions of at least Personas 1 through 3, you know. I would like Vita, which is a shame, but it'd be I, good to I, have access to these games, you know. Well, I'd love to play the first two because I haven't, especially the second one now that <laughs> you've explained the details of it. But I think if the other ones got a, a re-release on another console, I, I would use the opportunity to replay them. But I actually remember thinking with Persona Four that I have to wait a few years for to play this game again because it, you know it's a little bit embarrassing. But I had such an emotional connection to it. I really got into the rhythm of playing it. And I, cause I was playing it on the Vita, which is a handheld game. Yeah. I used to come home from work. I was working a lot of, um, midnight shifts at the time. And I used to come home from work and I used to just, um, go into my living room. Everyone was in bed. I used to go into my living room and put on film four. And no matter what film was on, I used to just watch it in silence in the background. And I'd play persona four for like 
three or four hours every night that was kind of my routine with it and i just i just few games that i got so like absorbed by that i was so into and if someone like told me that you know i i don't i, I don't like persona 4 i don't like this kind of anime stuff i get it because it has all the tropes kev you know it has things like you know that anime you don't know, you know we were talking recently and you said, you know, no matter what, how good the anime is, I'm not I'm talking about anime now, not games, but no matter how good the anime is, there's always some bullshit you have to kind of look past or kind of, you know, accept. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, and that's the same with Persona. And there's, it has all the tropes. It has the bit where they go to the beach. You know, it goes to the beach and, and the, all the, the girl characters are in bikinis. It has the bit where they go into a, a hot... A hot hot spring and it's divided the boys and the girls section is divided and it's some very japanese carry on <laughs> style nonsense this the, 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 all the tropes are there but i don't know like these characters are so well written in my opinion that i don't know the tropes kind of work and like it's, the, the, the main version of the game i'm talking about is persona 4 golden which is <laughs> the the second version of which has a ton of of added content and it's Jesus, I would absolutely if you play it, you have to play that one because all the extra content is essential in my opinion. Yeah. But was the original release a PS2 game? So? Yeah, it was PS2. Yeah, it was, it was like I think the I think the PS3 might have even already been out. It was a late PS2 game. It was yeah. like super late. But uh, if you're playing Persona 4 Golden, I think you need to kind of accept it. Like it, some of it is almost just a visual novel because there's so many kind of long stretches where you're not actually doing anything but like reading dialogue. But that all that's all in the service of spending time with these characters you know yeah and, and, and even even the, the optional parts are where i said the best writing is but even in the main game as well a lot of it's just kind of like here's the part of the calendar year where they have to do the talent competition and there's no <laughs> battling there's no battling or anything for like an, an yeah. hour or something but it's just here's your here's your video game friends and a, a silly talent competition <laughs> that chapter of the game but uh there's few few games that have a cast that i i love so much and like a setting that i love so much and I hold like you'll get there someday. I know, but I, yeah. I know you'll love it. But it, it is, like I said, it, it kind of there's a, there's a, a school of thought that it kind of betrayed um, the series' roots in terms of tone. But I think that um, that tone is is what makes it. It's just a lovely game, a silly a Japanese adventure with some great characters. But uh, how about we talk about the one that we've both played? Oh yes, please. Persona Five, which is the most popular one now like i said persona 4 you know got so overexposed a lot of spin-offs i think a lot of people have a feeling that that's what's happening now with persona 5 i think people are just kind of you know there's there's been a couple of spin-offs there's been a re-release and he he got into the main character got into smash brothers yeah absolutely which was great to see but did get a bit of a response as well Um, (laughs) what do you mean i just like there was that sort of vibe around the the smash reveals of just them consistently being anime sword fighters of oh, some yeah. form or another. Yeah, but Joker has a gun as well, so it's, it's fine. So it's completely different, yeah. Yeah, But like I sing the praises of Persona 3 and Persona 4, while also I admitted that when I originally played them, I kind of, you know, um, fell, I, I didn't get far into them. It really was Persona 5, which I think is the more refined version of the gameplay yeah. that kind of sold to me the kind of uh, the, the pleasures of, of, the, of these games, you know? Yeah. I don't know what it was that got me in the door in the first place. I remember when it came out um, and you and I were hanging out a good bit at the time. I mean, also for the years before and after that. <laughs> just, no, just the Persona 5 chapter of our lives. Just the Persona 5 chapter, yeah. <laughs> but we were hanging out a lot and the game 
came out and I decided I wanted it and I went into GameStop or wherever and they had no physical copies. I remember like messaging you about it and being like, oh, that's it. I think I'm just going to get the digital copy, which is a big deal for me because I'm basically a hoarder. I yeah. like to have things. <laughs> but I was like, no, I want to play this game. I want to play it right now. I'll get the digital copy. But I have no idea what it was that lit that fire under me. I had never did, played any of the other ones previously. I think, I think it just reviewed extremely well at the time and it was kind of yeah. just in vogue, wasn't it? It was just kind of everywhere. Yeah. But I just remember like getting it home, booting it up. And I mean, we need to be fair. The opening 10 hours or so are pretty slow. Extremely slow. Although faster than Persona 4, which I should say, if you if you don't mind me circling back for a second, sure, anyone yeah. who decides to play Persona 4 have to understand that the first three hours of that game are not a video game. It's just okay. a digital book that you've bought. <laughs> it's so slow. It's so slow. And Persona yeah. 5 is, is almost equally as slow as well. Yeah. Which is, so Persona 5, it gets you into like combat and dungeons a lot quicker. Yeah. But it does so in a way that is very clearly tutorializing. The whole, it's, like it, yeah, it's, it's very on rails. It's very, it, the, the tutorials are still there like 25 hours in. Yeah. More oh, God, even. Yeah. More even. It's just if you meet it halfway for those opening 10 hours, yeah. it just rewards you with so much. It's such a, such a, such a, a rich game. You know, there's just so much going on with it. It's, um, I suppose plot wise, it is like the others about a group of high school students who have access to these magical, powerful personas. Um, in this case, they've banded together as a group calling themselves the phantom thieves. Um, and they've decided <laughs> to sort of, um, sort of, enact their revenge on uh, society adults, society yeah, as a yeah. whole adults <laughs> adults who have, who have wronged them personally or society in general and uh they do this by going into these sort of fantastical palaces that spring up in the person's subconscious so it's kind of like a psychonauts type thing where they go into that person's mind yeah into a palace like a, a JRPG dungeon that is tailored to and around that person's sort of twisted view of the world. Yes, exactly. It, yeah. Oh, very, very well put. That's a hard premise to explain. <laughs> and in broad, yeah. in broad strokes, it works. I think if, if, if Persona 5 wasn't this candy colored anime adventure, I think there'd be some kind of moral questions. I would ask it yes. about its premise, which is essentially brainwashing people. But yeah, because it's basically a living cartoon, I think this whole idea of teenagers rebelling against bad adults works very well for broad strokes. It, it's a it's a great kind of thing to build a game around. Yeah, yeah. The um, as you said, the the, the brainwashing side of it doesn't really stand up to <laughs> a lot of scrutiny. It's um, it's it's actually I don't know, kind of dark if you think about it too much. Yeah. But the game never does, so you can kind of gloss no, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> the game has more on its mind, like eating burgers eating gigantic burgers and going to the cinema. But yeah, so like I said, Persona 4 is um, set out in the country. There's always, there's always these feelings. Like th- 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 these games are set over the course of a year. So you, you do winter and you do summer, you do all different weather, types of weather. There's all these feelings that these games like uh, leave with me. Like, like I said, Persona 3 is just hanging out in your kind of dorm uh, in the dusk after school. Persona 4 is just summertime, sunny in the country. And uh, Persona 5 just always reminds me of just um, rainy, raining in Tokyo. Just big city rain, you know, uh, kind of quiet night uh, in Tokyo with the rain fucking um, falling down. It's such good vibe. The whole game, from the soundtrack to its art style to everything to its UI, even 
Yes. Yeah. It's just such a sumptuous game. And I think that was the kind of the thing that kind of dragged me in while the others didn't is that this had the benefit of, uh, you know, superior graphics and art style and just the the amount of atmosphere they managed to ring out of that game at any given moment, you know? Yeah, it is. Atmosphere is fantastic in the game. It really immerses you in their world. Um, and it kind of the atmosphere it's is so good that it kind of allows you to kind of hand wave away <laughs> the, the the sillier aspects you can just buy into it because you're like yeah it's just part of this world it's fine and this has the best version of the central kind of um mechanic of the game just hanging out with people and kind of merging the you know becoming friends with your with your allies will will improve them in battle but this one's even better, I think, because there's a ton of characters you can hang out with, and they and they do like a there's a lot of diverse characters hang out with in the other games as well. But I think Persona Five like really like leans into it. Like one of them is a, a drunk um photographer, or a drunk journalist at a journalist. bar. You know, <laughs> one of them is a politician man. You know, there's all just these different characters to hang out with. But the great thing about it is that it's so overwhelming at first. Yeah, it's kind of stressful because it, it it's a kind of a time management game in a way where you have to kind of um make the best use of the time that's given to you which means you have two slots each day you know uh yeah. you, do you only have one slot if you have to go to school i can't remember actually it's been well since i played it no but, you still have an afternoon and uh an an evening, evening slot. Yeah. so you gotta kind of choose like what am i gonna do today i need to upgrade this stat or i need to hang out with this character but persona 5 the, the way i always kind of say to people to recommend it is that it's an overwhelming game but it's a game that's designed very much in your favor it's a game that yeah. will not let you fail so if you want to kind of disengage with the kind of mechanical side of why you're hanging out with these characters to improve them in battle you kind of can like my, my girlfriend fiona played through this whole game and like she didn't completely disengage with the battling side of it but it was not kind of on the forefront of her mind she was just kind of you know doing what she wanted and if you want if you play it from a story point of view the game completely works so it's actually a game yeah. tailored for you to win which makes it very moorish and hard to put down yeah it is it's kind of it's got this this positive feedback loop where yeah the more effort you put into the social side, the greater the reward you get in the combat side. And then progressing in the combat progresses the narrative, yeah, which yeah, gives yeah. you access to new avenues in the social side. And has a sort of cascade where you like you look up and you realize you've been playing for six hours straight. Hundred oh, percent. Yeah. It's like it's very few times in my life where like this is one of my favorite games of the last few years. It's quite old now, actually, twenty seventeen. Yeah, but it's one of my yeah. favorite games of the last few years. But there's very few times when. Uh, when I finished the game, have I realized I was just like, I think it's good that I finished this game. Yeah. Cause I'm actually just too into it. <laughs> I really, yeah. and cause I collect, cause I knew as soon as I finished it, I felt like a hollowness inside me that I might've been just using it, you know, as distraction and stuff like that, you know, yeah. I don't want to put a, a bad spin on it. I just, it's a I had a usually positive time playing it and I love the game, but I, I've really realized that I was like, oh, I'm kind of, you know, maybe enjoying my fucking persona life <laughs> more than my life right now. Yeah. Um, no, totally agree. Um, and that's maybe why when the second version, Persona 5 Royal, came out, yeah. I absolutely dived into that and did yeah. another 150 hours. Yeah. Because it's just, it's some good escapism. It is, um, yeah. And I kind of don't want to, I don't want to just label it as that, though, because it's an excellent game by itself. But I just think it's so easy to be escapism even in comparison to other games you know despite its very Absolutely, nature yeah. i haven't played yeah. persona 5 royal yet because i know there'll be a time i own it and i know there'll be a time when it'll be perfect i'll be in the mood maybe persona 6 will be announced i'll be like oh my god I need to, i'm in such a persona yeah. mood and i'll have this whole new version of persona 5 that i haven't played yet and it's gonna be my favorite thing but i haven't been ready to dive into it yet 
yeah, we we don't need to go into the the minutia of the sort of the gameplay details and differences between the two versions, or whatever. But just suffice to say that like Persona Five Royal is the definitive version of Persona Five. Excellent. Like if anyone listening to this wants to play the game and is unsure of which to get, just Royal every time, no hesitation. Just have 150 hours to spare, is it? Just have the 150 hours to spare, yeah, or even if you don't when you start playing you might find you're making time for it like it's it's well worth the investment but i don't want to be like a a, a big negative nancy because i feel like we just heaped praise on the other ones but it's so notable that persona 5 has huge negatives yes that, like that stick out like like a like a sore thumb across the across the kind of its general greatness you know and kind of the one i want to bring up first is that for 2017 like we grew up in a time of you know bad English translations for games. Like we grew up with Final Fantasy VII would be a big notable one, which you know you play now as an adult and you're like, oh it's, my god, the English translation is kind of bad in this. And I'm not not saying anything against the people who did it. They're probably they probably did it under great duress, you know, and uh, it was a yeah. tough job. But you know the the infrastructure to make good English localizations just wasn't the same um, back then as it is now. But now I'm sure. accustomed to brilliant English localizations and the Persona Five localization isn't bad but it's decidedly average yeah i think that's fair i think the the voice cast oh no they're great. great they're great and yeah. they, they absolutely make the most of a very wooden mediocre script it's very wooden everything no nothing sounds natural because these things like i said they're, they're always going to sound a bit kind of you know awkward and anime that's just the nature of anime unfortunately for a lot of times but like persona 4 makes characters for the most part sound quite natural but the dialogue in uh in five and it's when it's a long game you notice it so much more and it, it, sometimes it ends up making it a very funny like without any specific spoilers like my favorite quote from the entire game was um were you just talking about delicious pancakes which turns <laughs> that which turns out to be a huge plot yeah. moment but um for the most part it's just kind of annoying that it's so workmanlike yeah for sure um and it's kind of the, the the writing in sort of broad strokes for the narrative and the plot, you know, keeps it clipping along. But it's it's it is specifically the sort of the the intercharacter interactions a lot of the time. Yeah, can feel very wooden, very awkward. But it it it, it, wor- it totally works in the favor of my favorite character in the whole game, Yusuke, who is oh a, yeah a, an awkward ass artist. Who yeah. the awkward uh, English translation makes him even more funny. Yeah, voiced by uh, Matt Mercer of Critical Role fame. Absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely love Yusuke as my favorite character, but that kind of leads me to another problem with the game, where it's this game with a lot of big ideas that's actually d- dealing with very delicate subject matters. Yeah. Like the first, I brought this up already when I was talking about it in the PlayStation list, but like the first chapter of the game is you versus a PE teacher at your school who's like might be abusing teenagers. Which is, you know, a, d- a difficult kind of tightrope to walk on, and kind of one of the ways that the story the story is told from that point of view is that you, you meet a new character called Anne, and mm. she's kind of, you know, the the popular girl. She's like, you know, she's like the pretty girl, and the the PE teacher is like um, targeting her, and it's like kind of really well told, and it's kind of empowering. She awakens her persona, and you know, she kind of fights back against him, but. Persona 5 for me is stuck in, in, in this awkward place where it wants to say all these things and it yeah. wants to have all these ideas and all these opinions, but it, like, it still wants to be your 
stereotypical trashy anime in a lot of ways yeah so, so Anne has this brilliant arc where she kind of fights against her abuser and she kind of declares herself more than just a pretty face but then after that part of the game is over the game sexualizes her for the entire 90 hours after that and she's the hot one in the yeah. group who like the, the boys are ogling and stuff like that there's no follow-through yeah. there's no follow-through yeah i mean her sort of her social link her confidant thing um over the course of the the sort of the, the 10 interactions you have to build that up is kind of about her getting disillusioned with her modeling career yes <laughs> and um and about her wanting to like be a stronger and, and more sort of whole person herself well all that stuff is optional <laughs> so if, if if someone was to play that and like like you said you know time is your main currency in these games you yeah. have time to spend you choose how to spend it if you choose to not spend your time with Anne seeing this development arc with her the stuff that is sort of mandatory that happens as part of like the main story is like just kind of awful yeah it's actually interesting to put like you know um important character arcs and making them optional or making make, make them easy but i don't want to like say that they're all bad there's some great characters in this i, I really like futaba who's uh, yeah. an introvert hacker girl who's like, i think i think it's been stated that, that she's supposed to be um represented as being on the spectrum yeah. and kind of her arc of kind of opening up and kind of becoming uh, more outgoing and gaining friends and stuff that that's good stuff it is that's really good stuff that whole thing is written really well and is possibly undermined by the fact that you can then have her as a romance option <laughs> i was tiptoeing around it i was tiptoeing around it so we haven't really talked about but if i can you know you talked about with um persona 2 you could choose a character at the end of it which is great yeah. but you can choose um to enter romance with any of your main characters which can be like really add to the narrative in a lot of ways, especially when it's like your choice and you kind of choose, oh, and then you could have an um, emotional payoff uh, towards the end of the game. But uh, one of the conversations that came up about Persona 5 because it came out in 2017 is because, you know, the encroaching encroaching time and times are changing. Uh, Persona 5 was extremely stuck in its ways of, um, you know, there's no same-sex romances, right? Yeah. There's no, and, and any, uh, there's like two gay characters in it and they're ridiculous stereotypes and it's really offensive really horrible yeah yeah and it's just this whole um it's, it's just this whole thing where everyone was just like look it's 2017 like you know why can't we you know choose who we want to romance or whatever you and i, I want you, to romance yusuke you I, want to, I want to romance yusuke and, and have him paint me but uh but, but even you said um like they, they were doing that in persona 2 even, even in a smaller way but that whole thing is even undermined further by the fact that you can you can have your teenage main character romance adults in it and if you yeah. yeah, and I always found rom- like the idea of being able to romance Futaba strange as well because the dynamic with her in her story and your main character is so not that you know so do you know brotherly. what I mean? It's all sort yeah. of brotherly and it's sort of yeah and it's it, it's an odd it's an odd another odd place where Persona Five rests and just kind of yeah yeah we all kind of want to like you know it, it, it's only a video game so it doesn't really matter it's not real life so yeah we all want to romance the hot goth doc the goth doctor why wouldn't you but and then you're kind of role-playing as a pre- uh, you're making her a predator yeah because you're a 17 yeah. year old boy in it it's so weird and yeah, it's so, so uneasy and awkward yeah for, for for a brief little recap you can't romance uh the guy on your team <laughs> but you can romance the much younger basically a child you can romance your gp you can romance your teacher your teacher and she's like, or yeah. you can romance just a drunk journalist in a bar <laughs> And all that's fine. <laughs> Look, when you say it that way, actually, fucking uh, 10 out of 10. Best game. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, no, I, it's so weird because, you know, we were building towards talking about the one we both played. So I don't want to like just be just negative about it. But it, it, the reason why these things stand out is because the game is so good. Yes. But it, it, but it means that we don't really have what I would consider the perfect Persona game yet. Which is exciting because this, the sequel could be amazing. Now, if they ever do another one, uh, I, th- I, I think the series creator has stepped away, I believe. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, but I'm sure now that it's at the height of its popularity, we'll get another one. But I, 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 that's the, the main reason why when I talk about Persona 5, I want to kind of zone in on the negatives because it's not quite there yet, but it's so close. And it doesn't no, mean I wouldn't not. recommend Persona 5 to almost anyone, even if you don't think you'd like it. Like I said, my girlfriend Fiona loved it. She absolutely fucking loves it. You just get sucked into it. Yeah, and my partner Sarah, like after judging me harshly for catching me in the maid cafe that one time, had subsequently played it herself and absolutely loved it and put 150 hours into it as well, you know? Yeah, but we don't really, like this is, like we're talking about it like it's a niche game, but it's not really, like Persona 5 is quite mainstream now, isn't it? For sure, yeah. Um, well, like we said, with the the character getting into Smash, it's kind of, in video game terms, about as mainstream as you can get, you know? So um, out of the Persona games you've played, is five, 5 still your favorite, yeah? 5 is definitely, yeah. 5 is my favorite, um, with a little special place in my heart for the narrative of 2. A conversation that you see get floated a lot is whether Atlas are going to remake any of these games, and if so, which ones? remake um, mm. yeah and and personally i'm of the opinion don't remake anything ever no one should ever remake anything ever make new things yeah but they're going to because everyone does so if they are going to remake a persona game i would love to see the narrative of persona 2 reworked to maybe take some of the edges off a little bit and put into the game system of something like persona 5 for sure i i want that now now that you've kind of told me about the game i want to kind of have a more palatable gameplay attached to that mad story and also yeah. i think in in terms of persona 3 and 4 they're quite um dated uh, rudimentary little um ps2 graphics but i think there's they're all playable i wouldn't waste my time on a remake with them to be honest i think the the, the personality still kind of shines true a lot, but yeah persona 2 sounds like something i'd like to see fully remade but i have, I have a question for you as well because I like um, these games, obviously, and I, I like um, what they're trying to do in terms of interactive narrative in video games. I think yeah. they're some of the most interesting things in doing that. But I'm not necessarily like, you know, I'm not. I don't love these games because I love interactive school simulators. <laughs> you know, do yeah. you know what I mean? And I, we've we've also played like Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is another one where it's a, it's a school setting, but it's a very yeah. similar vibe. It's kind of choosing what to do in your spare time, and hanging out with people. So this is probably never going to happen, Kev. But we. Would you play a Persona game with the same kind of idea mechanic, but it's not set in school? Maybe it's adult. Maybe maybe it's like a workplace. <laughs> if, if you can have a school time drama mixed with ridiculous fantasy nonsense, why not have a workplace drama mixed with ridiculous fantasy nonsense? Is this just a realm? Is this, is, this, um, is this too fantastical for me? No, one hundred percent. That is. I was actually chatting with someone recently about the Persona games, and they floated that idea. That's the core idea. That sort of splitting two styles of gameplay, the sort of the social simulator and the sort of RPG elements and having one feed into the other. That core could be applied to so many different yeah. settings or ideas in really interesting ways. So what we're saying um, is Japan needs to grow up and get out of school. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Uh, Sorry, I don't want to put words in your mouth. It's definitely what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, just like that, that 
sort of core gameplay loop applied to a different setting could be fascinating. Like uh, off the top of the dome, like a Band of Brothers type thing where you're <laughs> playing as a squadron in World War II and you build up relationships with the different soldiers and it's interspersed with combat missions. Boom, done. Get my I want to play that. I want to play that, but I literally want it to be Band of Brothers. Yeah, yeah. No, literally Band of Brothers, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I want Atlas to, to make it. Anim- I, I, want, I want an anime of Band of Brothers, actually. <laughs> just, <laughs> just in general. <laughs> I want an anime opening. Anyway, Kev, we've covered five games there. Yeah. That was an insane undertaking. And aren't we amazing? Yeah, I I would agree with that. Did you enjoy your second time on Halo Listen, You can you can be honest, like Sven. <laughs> if I'm honest, will you just subsequently edit it out and make it sound like That's I just said? I can yes. edit, I can edit I can edit anything I want. I can take all agency <laughs> from you. Yeah. No, I absolutely loved it, man. I really appreciate you you having me on, giving me a chance to rant about some video games that I love. No worries uh, at all. Anytime, anytime. But uh, thank you for joining me on this episode. Uh, <laughs> I found Persona such an undertake, such a such a, a difficult one to do. So thanks for the help. No problem, dude. Anytime. And thanks to you for listening. That's all right. I've reached out of the podcast. I'm talking to you now. It's amazing how you could do that. Um, thanks so much for listening to, again to Hey Look Listen. Kev, do you want to say goodbye? Bye. And see you again next time. Bye, everyone.